know who you are, you know, in terms of risk that and, and what you're trying to accomplish, come up with a plan, grind to get there, but also understand that like money's not everything. Stuff isn't everything like relationships and, and impact is so much more important. Welcome to the Profit First REI podcast, where real estate investors master financial management, eradicate entrepreneurial poverty, and learn to be profitable from day one. Now for your host, David Richter. Hey, everyone, it's David Richter again, and just wanted to thank you for listening to the Profit First REI podcast. I have another special guest today, Brad Smelderman, and he actually has his own podcast, which I've been a privileged guest on, Investor Creator Podcast. Make sure you check that out. Check out his podcast. If you're listening to this one, you're probably listening to other podcasts as well, too. So give his a look. Then he's also running a seven-figure flipping business, holding notes across the Middle Tennessee. He invests in multiple states. He's doing things and he's training. He's the real deal. I don't have people on here that just talk about it, but are actually doing it as well too. But so really excited to have Brad on here, believe in him and what he's doing. But Brad, before we get into all of that, and I just wanted to welcome you to the show. Thanks for being on today. Man, appreciate you having me. I've been looking forward to this all week. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. So very first question I want to dive into, what got you started in real estate? Like, What was the big moment for you? Well, um, I'm not really sure how this happened, but I woke up one day when I was 17 years old and I decided to get my real estate license. And I was uh, finishing up high school, uh, turned 18, got my real estate license and, and realized over some time that the sales side was really not for me. But my family was, was actually in farming and agriculture. And so we were small time farmers, beef cattle and uh, corn and soybean. But I remember my grandparents who raised me every summer being very concerned about weather patterns because we didn't have irrigation. And so literally they would pray for rain. And I thought, gosh, you know, like maybe there's something better than that. Like maybe I can have uh, a little bit more security and a little bit more uh, influence over my future than praying for rain. And real estate bug bit me. And then really in 2010, I decided to retire my real estate license, having never done an investment deal to chase this dream of real estate investment. So that's really how I got started. Awesome. So then tell us about your journey then. So 2010, it sounds like it's when the journey started in the investing side. So how's it gone for the last over decade plus? Well, we've had a lot of growth. We've had a lot of growth, which you and I have talked about really offline. And uh, it's been a fun journey so far. I'm really excited about the future. But kind of what happened was um, it took me eight months of struggle to get my first deal. And uh, one thing that I want to impart to my to your listeners real quick is You know, one thing that I found in my business and I found this in other people's business is that most of the time your biggest wins come after the point that you want to quit and you don't. So I I specifically remember I had a lead come in. I was sitting in my truck one hot August day. I didn't have enough money because gas was $4 a gallon at the time to fill up my gas tank to full. So I do like quarter and a half tanks at a time. And I remember I had this lead come in and I listened to the voicemail and I was just like, I just don't want to call this guy back. Like I'm just so done and over this business. But I did call the guy back and ended up, we made the deal. Um, that deal was, I still think the best deal I've ever done because it gave me two things. It gave me a little bit of money to market. So I'm a really big believer in marketing. And secondly, it gave me some confidence to say like, Hey, I can't actually do this. I can pull this off. And so I got a $20,000 down payment. I've got a $17,000 note. That note paid me about $400 per month until it paid off. 
And so it was a really, really good first deal and a deal that we did a whole, whole lot more of just very, very similar to that. Awesome. I love that. That that That's your best deal because of those things, what it taught you and what it was able to provide you. And then the also the mindset there is like, that success is usually on the other side of wanting to give up. You know, when you know you have something good and it is something, and it's usually that personal battle, right? It's usually the internal struggle of, you know what? I just don't want to make this call. I'm feeling defeated. But then you make that call. And then it turns out to be your best deal because it changes the trajectory. So if you're listening to this podcast, that is some great advice from personal experience. You might be feeling that right now and don't give up. Do not give up on your dreams and what you want to do, especially if it's around real estate investing. It, there is there is another side to it. So just wanted to shout that out. Thank you, Brad. That was amazing. So that's real estate investing and you've you've grown from there. Let's talk about then, since this is a Profit First REI podcast, a little bit just about money mindset. What about in the early days? Because we got to a little glimpse that year they were praying for the rain. But besides those, that concept and like wanting something different than that, what other early lessons did you learn about money? Or how does that come and how does that compare to how you think about money today? Yeah. So, you know, early on, I was really taught being anti, very anti debt, kind of Dave Ramsey mindset, that kind of thing. And I think that that certainly has its place. So if you're putting a boat on a credit card, that's probably not a good idea. But I've also found that um, any most of the time when we, we paint these really broad brushstrokes of like always and never, like cash is king, always, debt is dumb, always, that it doesn't always hold true, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so, um, and I remember I almost got actually into a, 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 a fight, an altercation at my real estate office when I was selling real estate because I had this conversation conversation with another realtor. And this was maybe 2009. And he's, he was talking about Dave Ramsey and this debt is dumb always kind of mindset. And it, my background was accounting. So in college, I got my undergraduate in accounting. And he said, well, what do you think about this? And I tried to like kind of stave off the conversation. But you know, finally, I was like, well, you know, like, let's paint the scenario. The house is worth $120,000. You can buy it for fifty grand. You have forty nine thousand five hundred dollars. Do you borrow five hundred dollars to do the deal or not? And he didn't really have a great answer for that, you know. But but got kind of upset. So you know, a couple of things that I, I've found is that I really feel like one of the biggest mistakes that people make in this business is they don't play both the short game and the long game at the same time. And really, what I mean by that is, you know, flipping and wholesaling is good. It's a very very well paid job. And the cash that we get from that, we can allocate to long-term resources, but we have to do that. Like we have to create long-term cash flow assets or we're never really getting ahead. And so like in my consulting work, my education work, I find that a lot of people come to me first because they can't find motivated sellers. But second, I have a big group of people that come to me that they've been wholesaling three, four, five, 10 years at times or flipping in that time. And they say like, gosh, I'm still transactional. I really haven't gotten ahead. And the big problem that they have is like they haven't created, you know, a source of cash flow that exists outside of their time. And so like that's, I think, a big thing that um, I found that is really, really important. That is a big mistake that I see. And I also find that um, for myself, I, I always kind of like teeter between like I really feel better emotionally if I have cash sitting, but then also like allocating resources because like if you have cash, then it's tough to not spend it on something. Now, I'm not the toy guy. I think, you know, having a Lamborghini is kind of silly. I mean, for whoever that enjoys that, that's cool. It's just not me. You know, it's like we, we, I came from 
praying for rain as a teenager for the family. So, you know, getting a Lamborghini is not super exciting, but, um, you know, just kind of like teeter tottering between like having like enough cash where I emotionally feel really confident and good about decision-making, but then also like not bleeding that cash into uh, stuff that may not make sense is, is kind of a struggle. So, I mean, that, that's just a couple of things that I see that helpful, hopefully is helpful for the audience. Oh, I think that's incredibly helpful because I believe when, because it was the exact same thing for me. I 100% relate to this story because I was, when I first started my journey, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Then one of the second books I read was the Dave Ramsey stuff. And it was like very conflicting. And I was like, yes. well, I don't want the day. I don't want a bunch of debt, but I also want to make money in real estate. And I want to, you know, not be, you know, buckled down and not be able to grow. And I think one of the biggest things for me was taking that leap from, from W2 job to business owner and like from working a job to investing in real estate and in having in my own business and knowing that like, you know what, in my business, I can still be financially responsible and make sure any debt that I have is going towards building assets, building something long-term, whether that be, you know, sometimes that is for marketing and you are investing in that to get that next deal or whatever it might be, but it's making sure that you are investing in that way with a clear specific purpose too, because that's where a lot of people get in trouble. It's like, well now, oh, money's coming in. We're just going to spend like crazy. Then you go crazy on the cards and stuff and you rack all that up. And that's where it gets then you need Dave Ramsey to go back in and beat you over the head and say, this is not what that stuff is for. You know, so it's like making sure that you have those types of things. So I really, that really resonates with me. So I'm sure that it'll resonate with a lot of people on the call here. Cause that's, that's a great, that's a great analogy of like, how were you thinking about money? And then where are you now in that thought process? Cause it is a journey. I always believe too, that you should be thinking and constantly rethinking the beliefs and thoughts that you have right now. And are they serving towards your higher vision, your values. So absolutely love that. So right now, Brad, are you married? I wanted to ask, are you married? Do you have children right now? Yes. Uh, happily married almost uh, 12 years, I believe. And two children, my, my little girl just turned six yesterday. So we had a wow. big day yesterday. Congratulations. I have a, a girl turning five and two months. So love that age, love that time period, which is, I asked this question selfishly, but I, what lessons about money do you want to pass on to your children? So I love hearing people's thoughts around that. You know, it, it's really a funny thing. So just recently, um, one of my thoughts was, okay, like we have things in the business to where the, really to where we want them and, and really to a point that even three years ago, I would have thought wouldn't be possible mm -hmm. you know, because of, of all the transactions that we're doing and the equity that we're getting and almost everything that we're doing, we're doing remotely now. So like we're, we're buying just over the phone. And so, um, I came to a point where I sat down with an estate attorney and said like, okay, like let's look at putting things into trust for the children. And, and my thought was, well, I can add, I don't know, five rentals per year each to this trust. And whenever they come of age, then it'll be worth something. And I was really close to doing that. And, and then I thought, well, maybe not. Hmm. And, and it's like, well, maybe what I should do is, you know, I have a company now, like I have team members and they're, that we're growing, we're growing very fast. And so whenever they, they come of age, then I know that there's going to be opportunity within the business for them to create their own success. 
And so like, that's kind of what I've come up to is I don't want to pass like, Hey, you've turned 25, here's 50 rentals. And most of them are free and clear. I don't know that I'm really doing them a favor by doing that. And so no, we're keeping those same assets and keeping them in house. And, you know, I, I really think that providing the opportunity is, is the better thing. And so I've got a good, good friend of mine that is very wealthy and he created a trust and his trust basically says that whenever he passes away, that his, his daughters can pull one third of their adjusted gross income from their tax return from the trust per year. Hmm. And if, and if the, because, you know, one spouse may stay at home and the other work. If one stays at home, then it goes off the, the other spouse's income. And so I thought, like, how genius is that? Like, if you go out and you create a lot of money, then you're going to be able to pull a lot of money from the trust. But it shows that you're responsible financially in the first place. And if you're a bum, it skips you and it goes to the next generation. And I thought, like, how great of, of an idea is that? So. I mean, in terms of what do I want to pass along? I mean, it, it sort of depends. It depends. Like, you know, if if my daughter and my son work W two jobs, it's it's a different financial plan than it, if it is that they're out hustling and buying equity like we are. And it also depends on um, you know their their threshold for risk. You know, like I enjoy risk to a certain extent, although not like I used to when I was younger. I'm 35 now, but you know, th- th- there's a whole lot to it. So I would say like come up with a plan that you're comfortable with that you feel is going to be successful. And one, one big, big thing that I've done that I think has been detrimental to me is um, what I felt was success maybe 10 years ago that five years ago I accomplished, I wasn't satisfied with it. And so I never really celebrated the wins. And so like, it's like I'm running a marathon and I'm always, you know, 800 yards from the, the finish line, but I've, I've ran the marathon probably three times now, yeah. you know? And so that can be a little bit emotionally exhausting. So, I mean, work hard, work your plan, uh, know who you are, you know, in terms of risk that, and, and what you're trying to accomplish, come up with a plan, grind to get there, but also understand that like money's not everything. Stuff isn't everything like relationships and, and impact is so much more important. And I think that, you know, David, that's a big reason why you're here. That's why I do what I do as well. And so like we're, we're kind of cut of the same cloth. In that. No, I 100% agree with that. That's why I love having you on here and having those mindsets, especially that next generation. Like, how are we going to pass that down responsibly and make them the human beings, you know, that will want to pass it on to and have those values and, you know, the work ethic. And like you said, if they have a W-2 job, good for them. Make sure that they're equipped to be the best human being they can be no matter what they do and make sure they don't, we don't empower them to be entitled. You know, it's like making sure we don't give them that opportunity, you know, to just go out and do whatever they want. And, you know, just that's not why we create the wealth and why you don't buy the the rentals or train other people and do everything that you do. The fix it, flip and everything inside the business is not for that. So no, I love that. I love asking people about that. Really appreciate, you know, you telling your mindset on that. So then this has been amazing already. Lots of value dropped here. You have an accounting background, which is definitely different than most real estate investors. So when you analyze a deal or the financial, maybe key performance indicators, those buzzwords, you know, KPIs or whatnot, when you're looking at deals, whether it's rental, fix and flip, what are you specific? What do you analyze on that deal? And do you look at it differently than a typical investor because you have that background? Or, you know, like, how would you go about analyzing deals and from your perspective? 
Yeah. So I think that my accounting background has helped me in the business, but not necessarily when it comes to analyzing deals. Okay. So like really what I'm looking at is I feel like I'm, I'm an equity buyer and I feel like marketing is more important than actually real estate. Real estate is a means to an end. Uh, I'm not in love with houses, you know, but I, I do enjoy the marketing side negotiation. And that's really like 90% of getting great deals is being able to generate the right lead and say the right things at the right time that motivate that seller to say yes to an offer. Right. And so, you know, with that, um, whenever I'm looking at a deal, I really want to make sure that I'm buying equity. And so everybody's focused on equity and price and we buy a lot of price equity, but there's also equity in terms. So like to, to put, put it to an extreme, like let's say there's a house, it's worth $250,000. They want $250,000. They own it free and clear and they would, would accept payments at $500 per month until paid at 0% interest. Well, that's a great deal, but the, the equity is not in the price. We're paying market value. The equity is in how we're paying it. And I know that that might sound a little bit crazy to some of these pe- people that are listening that have never heard of a deal like that. But like we've done a lot of deals where we're basically paying market value, but it's at a 0% interest rate and we're getting 10 or, or 15 years, uh, 15, 10 or 15 year terms where the, these payments are going out. Well, whenever you look at the amortization there, then you know, like that creates equity really, really quickly. You know, and we can turn it to a rental or under financing or whatever we decide to do at that point. But, you know, that's really what I'm looking at is either equity in price, equity in terms. And so I, I really wish that I could create some kind of a mind map where it's like, it always gets me to the right answer. But there's some, you know, different factors like, okay, is it a, a kind of deep rehab or is it really clean? Is it in an appreciating area or is the area flat or maybe possibly declining as an area. So like there's some X factors there that you really have to look at, you know, but those are the, the, that's the main metric that I'm looking at is can we buy equity day one? And if we can, and it makes sense, then we move forward. Yeah, no, I love that. And I've had, you know, talked with people and they're doing what you're doing with properties. A lot of people do that with businesses too. They go in and they're, they might buy it at market value or where it is right then, but it's on payments. And then they're able to go in and just raise that value of that business within three to five years. And then they sell it, you know, and it's like for a, a multiple. And it's the same thing with this property, you know, so it's like having those comparisons and love that, love what you do with the properties. And then what around your accounting degree, I know I'm stuck on that. Do you, you said that you it's it hasn't helped with deals or like you know the analyzation of deals but it has helped you like in the business do you because this is also something robert kiyosaki a lot of people talk about is accounting and the language of money do you think that most entrepreneurs should have a basic understanding should they should they go through college and get an accounting degree what is your what level do you think that entrepreneurs need to be in order to be a savvy business owner and know that language of money and finances accounting yeah so i mean does somebody need to go and get an accounting degree i mean probably not but um i do think that it has helped tremendously and it's not necessarily like what does it help me with? Well, it's not about like plugging transactions into QuickBooks, although that is important. I mean, what I think is most important is understanding cash flow mm-hmm. and also understanding like how income impacts your balance sheet long term. Yeah. You know, like whenever we have uh, a good understanding of, of, of the flow of money on financial statements, then, then we know how to manipulate that to, to get to where we want to go. Right. Maybe manipulates the wrong word, but you get what I'm saying. Right. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really more about a study of, of how businesses work to, in terms of profit and cash flow 
to the balance sheet long term that I think is really, really interesting. And I think that most people are weak there. I think most people are weak. I think that most people uh, feel like <laughs> I've seen people like play with QuickBooks on, on one journal entry. It's like, oh, well, it balanced. So it has to be right. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> that is not right. how it works. You know, and so I'm sure that you see a lot of this with the people that you oh, yeah. consult with. It's like it, it, it's cringeworthy about how people don't have control over the finances and have no understanding on where they are and, and where they're trying to go. And so it's just like this this whirlwind of chaos where you don't know where you're going. You don't know where you've been. And so it's, it's just like you're just throwing some stuff out there and, and doing the best you can. And I think that's very dangerous. You are talking my language here big time. This is gold right here. You do not have to have an accounting degree, but in order to be a business owner, this is one area that you will need to learn. You will need to learn how these talk with each other, these financial statements, like a profit and a loss, a balance sheet, you know, those things that he's talking about, because like he said, it's manipulating that money, that flow of money, directing it, basically putting the control back in your hands. So that way you're not being like a chicken with his head running, you know, or her head cut off running around all over the place because it puts that power in you to make those decisions, make better decisions and say, are we on track with our overall goals? Really? Are we really getting to where we want to be? Because I don't know how you feel when you consult people and you know, you, they get all this different stuff from books and seminars and all this stuff. And they're like, well, I need to track this. You know, I need to track this number. I need to track my leads or I need to track deals closed. And it's like, yes, those are good. But do you understand how that goes into your overall profit and into your overall business? It's like, it's great if you're making this amount per deal, but like, what's the bottom line? Like, what is the actual cash flow? Like, do you have too many of the expenses? And if you don't know these basic things, I don't think you can have that true. You can really go to the level that you will want to go to in your business if you don't have that basic. So I love that. Get that foundation. Uh, you do not need the accounting degree. So this was just a lot of good stuff right there. So Brad, this has been amazing. Just have a couple last questions here. Do you have any other advice just in general could be around finances, could be around anything that you want to get out to the real estate investing community? Yeah. So um, I, I think two main ones, no, number one, we're a marketing business. And so if you can generate motivated seller lead flow on a whim and be able to capture that with good terms, then you're going to be a lot better off. And so like one of the things, man, that, I, that I'm asked a lot right now is like, well, what do we think the market's going to do? Like we've, we've been on a roller coaster for almost a decade. And uh, I mean, just straight up rocket ship, you know, and, you know, at some point we have to have a correction. Am I concerned about that? No, because we know how to play a declining market as well. And that's really more about buying creatively and turning it into underfinance notes because we're in a position, let's say the market declines, you know, and, and we go to a six month days on market, which I don't think is going to happen, but let's assume, you know, we're going to be able to buy equity easier on the front end because we're going to have more motivated sellers and less investors to contend with. And then we're also, because banks tighten during these times, we're going to be able to sell that house with our financing easier than what we have been in the past five years. And so it, the ability to, to, to transact goes up on both sides, both on the purchase and the sale. And so like, I'm okay with the declining market. So just keep that in mind. Like if you can, you can market the right way, and negotiate to the right deal structure, then it, it's really, really tough to mess up this business. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's amazing. So 
I appreciate all the advice you've given today. There's been so many nuggets that you can take from this. From the beginning where you said, don't give up. I mean, if you're on that right now, you could be that one call away, one call away from turning around. Pick that call up, call that person back, look at that voicemail, all the way there to where being a savvy business owner, getting out there, doing the deals, doing making sure that you are the right business owner as well too. And there's been a ton of good information here. So Brad, we'd, I'd like to ask you, how can our listeners now provide value back to you? How can they connect with you? What are you working on currently? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, what we're working on right now is uh, spending a lot of time on the podcast. I'm actually launching a, a YouTube channel as well, where I'm bringing in some of the top investors that I know and actually having sit down interviews, which I think is so, uh, so impactful. And, and mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying doing that, getting people's stories where, you know, they've struggled and now they, they've seen success and looking back, like, what could they, what could, what can we all learn from that? So that's been a lot of fun. But for those that want to reach out to me, uh, investor creator podcast. And then my email is brad at bradsmuggling.com. Awesome. Well, there you go. You can reach out to him. And if you uh, make sure to check out his podcast too, I was privileged to be on there as a guest, but he's got a great podcast that's up right now. The investor creator podcast, Brad, thank you so much for being here today and providing a ton of value to the listeners. David, thank you so much, man. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. If you found this episode valuable, could you do me a quick favor? Could you give us an honest rating within iTunes? And be honest, you could say whether you liked it or not. And obviously with iTunes, the more reviews and ratings we have, the better it is for other people that are searching for a profit first and a podcast. So we'd love to be ranked on there. And that's thanks to your help. So we would really appreciate that if you would like to go give us a rating. Also, if you're looking to connect with us further, I would highly recommend checking out our Facebook group, Profit First for Real Estate Investors, and that's literally what it's called. So you can type in Profit First for Real Estate Investors, and you'll be able to find <laughs> you'll be able to find our Facebook group right there. So come join active real estate investors who are supporting each other and growing their businesses and profits together. That's what that group is all about. The link should be in the description below. And if you're interested in working with us and implementing Profit First in your real estate business, we offer coaching and guidance. So if you want to work with someone who's actually Profit First certified and who works right now currently with real estate businesses, you can actually go start your application process by going to simplecfosolutions.com forward slash apply, or just go right to simplecfosolutions.com and there's an apply button right on there. If you want to actually start your Profit First journey with someone who can actually walk you through those step-by-step and help you know and grow your cash flow. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Profit First REI podcast. See you next episode.